Welcome to Trailer Therapy, a podcast about trailers, media, and entertainment hosted by two best frenemies. Hey, I'm your host, Brian McKinney, along with my fellow host, Brian Wynn. Hi, I'm Brian Wynn. Welcome back to another session of Trailer Therapy. Do you notice I switched up the intro a couple weeks ago and made it another session? Because I feel like that was more conducive to therapy. <laughs> you know, I was just reading this prompt and I'm like, oh, that's interesting. You know, it, it rolls off the tongue better, though. It's because I read it the first time. So maybe it just slipped by. But yeah, yeah, I didn't even notice it. I just I just noticed it now when I said it. I'm like, oh, session. Oh, episode nine. We're revamping. <laughs> We're in episode nine. We, you know, are just kind of adapting every week as we go and figuring out new things. And I, I can only imagine that, like, by the time we get to episode 200, how different it'll be. I mean, it'll probably be two different hosts. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be our interns that are really trying it out, you know, and we're just behind the scenes. <laughs> just texting them. Yeah, exactly. This is the question you want to say. Yeah, man. So we're coming in a little late this week. Uh, we're coming off of Thanksgiving here in the United States of America. And that was Thursday. And I think most people took the rest of the week as you do. So uh, we were... I, Ooh, we were playing a little bit of a catch-up game with each other, um, finishing up family stuff over the weekend. So we're going to put this out tonight into tomorrow. Yeah. Well, you know what? We we knew it was happening, that we were going to need a reset week because we were really hitting literally the last minute every single week of the podcast. It was like always like it went from every Friday to like Saturday and then it was Sunday morning <laughs> and then it was Sunday midday and then it was Sunday end of day and it was like getting closer and closer to when I had to, had to actually launch but it was hard because if you like record on Sunday and then we follow um, the usual schedule around like Monday or Tuesday or Friday or something it's just like it don't feel like enough time has passed for any real content to come out so you know what this is actually like a good like sort of reset button for us in yeah. terms of like being able to get back on schedule because over the past week there weren't uh, there weren't really any big tentpole trailers or anything that dropped so that should we record episode 10 later on this week? There might be some stuff this week, you know, just to prepare for the holiday season. Yeah, hopefully, you know, Tuesday, Thursday, something like that. We'll start to see some more trailers dropping that were probably held off because of the holidays because everyone's traveling and there's just, yeah, there's people sitting at home watching TV, but they're probably catching up. You know, I don't watch TV. I guess trailers play on television, <laughs> not just YouTube. <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, now because of the strikes over, we'll see more of those trailers drop up, drop on like talk shows and stuff. Also, we used to see that all the time where they're like, be sure to watch Jimmy Kimmel tonight because we're dropping Captain America Civil War trailer. You know, yeah, it's something, yeah. It was always like a random drop. Which Chris is Evans would be there to introduce it or something fun. Yeah, exactly. So because of the strike, we didn't really get that. So we got a lot more of like two or three trailers and then a giant push through marketing and stuff. But other than that, now, because it's a different climate now, we might be seeing uh, trailers drop in groups again where it's like really aiming towards what movie's coming out. Like, oh, there's this movie coming out. We're going to drop every anime related trailer alongside this animation that's coming out on friday you know so we're getting you know i anticipate a lot of big trailers dropping uh by the end of december just because you're going to be seeing a lot of movies with your families and they're going to want a whole new batch of trailers to show off every single week there you know yeah you know there it's funny someone was suggesting that we do an episode or a segment and talk about 
the seasons of trailers, like genres for movies. You know, like back in the day, it used to be like horror movies would come out in October and maybe there'd be like a weird batch of horror movies in April. Yeah. Um, But now it's like horror movies every month because COVID and the strikes and everything's weird. And there's, you know, people are, are happy to go see a horror movie in March or June um, and same, you know, with like the, uh, Oscar movies, you know, yeah, you get those Oscar movies all hitting right in that Oscar season, mm-hmm. but the trailers seem to be dropping like months and months and months in advance with teasers. I just saw there was like a teaser too for, uh, the, um, Jennifer Lopez m- movie <laughs> that she's producing or something. Yeah. It's, 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 it's crazy to think, you know, just the term teaser two and, or like <laughs> international trailer three, it's right. just like. Um, it's always an interesting thing, but you know, horror movies are so profitable in terms of their budget to profits. Yes. It's like, so, you know, if they made them every single month, that's great for you. <laughs> yeah. Great, great for me. Love that. Yeah, um, exactly. So it's, but it's, great it's, for the cool. studios too. Low risk, Yeah, you know, medium return. Well, it's, it's interesting. Cause I actually just had this conversation over this weekend. Uh, we were decorating for Christmas cause that's what we do. We decorate, uh, immediately after Thanksgiving, it's like black Friday, everyone's shopping and we're tearing down all our Thanksgiving decorations and putting up the tree, yada, yada. Mm-hmm. And then we were putting on movies and a tradition we have in our household is we play home alone one and two on oh, yeah. black Friday. And then we follow the weekend with like elf or whatever it is. But, um, we were watching it and I'm like, I wonder when, I wonder when Home Alone 1 came out because it's a really strong <laughs> Christmas movie. It didn't come out in December and during Christmas time. It came out after the new year. It came out in January That's of 1991. Wild. And it's a different climate back then also because back then people didn't go to the theaters during the holidays. They hung out with family. They did all those things. And then in the new year they saw it. But also... There was a longer turnaround between uh, when it came out in theaters and then when it came out on, let's say, VHS or something, you know? Home video is entirely different than the video on demand. And then back then, that made up like 80% of the sales, really. If you really look at Home Alone's box office to what they've actually made year to day on, like, on, on physical release and stuff, it's like it was a different climate then so they can just drop those movies whenever because they'll make it back whenever it drops on uh you know vhs dvd yada yada and i remember matt damon talked about that too they they made up a good bulk of their you know income from that um but now we live in a world where you know it's a holiday season and everyone's like you know what we're gonna go to the movies and we're gonna watch some movies, and then that that's why the December spots are always like the Dune, the Star Wars, the you know the whatever it was at the time, you know the big IPs and stuff. They're gonna drop December. I remember what was it? Avatar dropped in December, you know, dropped Christmas or something. Where it used to be like July for the blockbuster weekends for Fourth of July, things like yeah. that. Yeah, and then you know I think it's 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 interesting too because when you hit a movie that late in the game you're really aiming for the awards as opposed to being drowned out by the noise of the summer and stuff and you know i remember back then summer was a death day for um movies that come out until jaws came out jaws with the the whole purpose of jaws was that it was like really the first summer blockbuster because it scared people to go outside it scared people from going to the beach and then just going to the movies you know 
it's you know it's like when you go to uh, a, a supermarket or a retail place and they try to upsell you on all these things they're trying to upsell your next experience really every time you go to the movies you know aside from buying all their concession stand stuff when you sit down they're like here's all these other movies you can be watching so it's 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 really it's really interesting to see these release dates and stuff like now but in the trailer world for us as like library uh you know library owners and um people in customs and stuff we're thinking past the holidays now at this point we're thinking about the springtime we're thinking about the spring and the summer um on what's coming out and that's what we're gearing towards you know i don't i feel like we do a lot of horror during like what the summer late summer we do a ton of horror and then as soon as that season kind of dries out boom then we're then we're we're like a six month ahead kind of thing yeah especially now with the strikes i i don't even know what we're looking towards <laughs> i just yeah i know the movies that were supposed to come out and hoping they're still going to come out and so yeah i'm looking towards basically all of 2024 at the moment and just kind of trying to figure out where those cards are going to fall yeah no definitely so it's like I heard that there's going to be like a 90 day sort of like lull in terms of like work because everyone's kind of been working on post-production stuff, but there's going to be a time where you're going to be playing catch up and you're caught up and then there's not really going to be much there for, there'll be some trickling stuff because during the strike, there was like 18 projects that was greenlit to be working in production while the strike was going on. And that's only 18 movies. That's only 18 campaigns compared to what, you know, so yeah man that's uh that's uh i guess that's my rant on it yeah good little rant other than that did you have a decent thanksgiving anything good i saw some pictures of you with the fam yeah it was just it was just a it was a big family get together at uh, my mom and dad's so it's uh it's always that kind of thing it's always interesting though because you know i come from uh, a vietnamese descent we don't really know how to celebrate thanksgiving properly so all the things that you think thanksgiving is about the turkey the gravy the mashed potatoes like that was non-existent at my table like it's only when we celebrate it at home with my wife because she just she's she's about that american thanksgiving <laughs> it's completely different so we sat down we're like why is there ham <laughs> why is there ham and like cream corn <laughs> um but yeah it, it was great it was great to see everyone it was it's always a good chance for my son to like play with his cousins and stuff yeah. because he's like antisocial. so like <laughs> same um it's it, yeah it's a, it's, a, it's a good chance all together so how was your thanksgiving good. we barely talked yeah <laughs> we didn't week. really see each other too much uh as far as seeing each other via texting and messaging goes but i took the family to indianapolis we're in west lafayette indiana home of purdue university in case anyone's wondering and uh, speaking of which the purdue men's basketball team just won their tournament in hawaii the maui yeah so they're now the number one basketball team in the country Uh, wow (laughs) that aside um yeah we went to indianapolis uh, about an hour away and stayed at a hotel and we went ice skating, went to the Chris Kindle market, went to dinner at Cake Bake and, you know, just did like more of a uh, staycation kind of nearby vacation. And then we came yeah. back like Thanksgiving night for um, dessert with my in-laws. But, you know, we, we like to, um, we do a lot of stuff just by ourselves, with my little family of five. We like to travel a lot, so... Yeah, I'm getting to that point right now where my kid's like old enough to like just get in the car and go. 
Whereas, you know, even just like a year or two ago, I felt like I had to pack like yeah, a coffin full of stuff, stuff yep. the car to the top of stuff that he might need. And now I'm just like, all right, dude, you got to change your clothes and you got your water bottle. We're good to yeah. go. You now know? that my kids can carry their own suitcases, it's, you know, it's a whole new world of travel. So we, <laughs> we try to do a little international travel every year now that they're able. Man. Because I remember we took my oldest daughter when she was 18 months. We took her to Ireland for a week and a half. And that was a lot. <laughs> yeah, a lot we traveled. Yeah, we traveled to uh, St. Louis uh, for a few days um, when my kid was like nine months old. And my goodness, fortunately, I found out that he just sleeps through plane rides like it's a car seat, you know, and he just slept on us the entire time. But I don't know how it would be now. Like I have some trips planned this year for like a week long trip and I have no idea how he's going to be on the plane, but we'll see, you know, Um, hoping that iPad keeps him (laughs) company for like four hours. Keep that iPad charged. Yeah, exactly. What is our main topic for today? Our main topic for today is trailer structure. It's one that is super important. It's a it's a rule that's meant to be broken, but you really need to understand the rule before you can break the rule, I feel like. Um, so, you know, real quickly, trailer structure is how you organize your trailer queue. It's you need a beginning, middle, and end for any sort of storytelling. And the trailer cue is telling the story of the trailer that you're working on. So the music needs to fit the picture. The picture is always going to be telling that story. And it needs to have three acts typically, okay? So the story arc originally began in, you know, ancient Greece, you know, and, and, and before that. But, you know, a lot of people, I think, attribute some of this to like Aristotle and some of those great storytellers of, you know, the ancient, ancient times. But, you know, like with Star Wars, for instance, George Lucas was really enamored with Joseph Campbell's Hero's Journey. And that was, you know, the Hero's Journey, um, he released a book about it in the 40s. And where he talks about the three phases of the journey, you know, it's like the, the call to adventure, which is the departure, the initiation, which is the ordeal, and then the return or the resurrection. So that you have those like three acts. And then in the 70s, Sid Field wrote this book called Screenplay, The Foundations of Screenwriting. And that really is kind of the basis for all like narrative storytelling today, where you follow these three acts. You have the beginning, the middle, and the end. You set the tone in the beginning, then you introduce some sort of problem, and then you overcome the problem, which is called a denouement. And, you know, then you end the story. So trailer cues need to fit into that. And I like to say, you know, if you're new to trailers, start with the three-act structure and, you know, see, see how that goes before you start breaking all these rules. Yeah, because all the real kind of innovations and subversions and everything that we feel when we watch trailers and listen to trailer music and such, the reason why they have those kind of lasting impact is that it's playing off of those three acts. It's it's everything kind of revolves around it. And like you said, it typically has these three acts and it should be a fundamental thing to know. And, you know, 
rules can be broken only when you know what the rules are really so like you can only subvert so much if you have a real strong understanding of the foundation of these cues and yeah like uh you you said it great like it was going based off the hero's journey and the three act structures and in trailers it follows this three act structure which is act one act two and act three there might be some sub acts in there but that's the general rule point of the three acts which is act one setting the tone which is it can be um, subjective is it is it going to be an opener is it going to feel like it's setting the stage of what's happening a lot of the times when you're watching these trailers also the act one is really about the introduction of the world yeah. i try not to keep mine too busy because i i imagine especially if it's a trailer there's a lot of dialogue also that's going through it so you really just want to be able to enhance what's happening there broad strokes of what's happening introducing some instrumentation something that is a clear anchor that feels like it's going to pay off later then you get to the act two which is introducing tension excitement general hype and getting to this point where it weaves together what act one and act three will inevitably be and then you know generalizing act three which is the big reveal it's the the payoff it's the reason why act one and two exists is to get to the act three which is the breakout moment it's the moment where the music is it's at its full reveal and you know i I kind of lump this in with act three because I always think it's important, but you know, this genre of music is the one that always needs like an outro. (laughs) It needs something to play whether in a big cascading way or a, or a beautiful slow burn way. It needs a closer for the main title card, which is essentially you get this big ramp of excitement, the footage is going and then boom, we're hitting title, which is like the reveal of the movie name, yada, yada. And then boom, dials down coming soon card. So it's like, um, these things are really important for me, at least from the custom side, I I always make sure they're there because I know that in some form it's going to be there, whether it's one of the two different dynamic levels, but it's always going to be there. Um, but then, yeah, that, that could be construed as the fourth act, but honestly, it, it, it feels so part of the back end because it's always kind of like an extension of the back end. So, um, yeah, but yeah, that's, yeah, those are the three. It's, <laughs> it's the same for albums too, right? Like I won't accept a tract unless it has that, which I call a stinger. I'm sure people have different names for it, you know, title, mm-hmm. title card spot or, you know, whatever. But yeah, if I don't see a stinger at the end, you know, you have that like ramp, drop, ramp, drop, ramp, drop, stinger. <laughs> and you know, yeah. that's what I want to see in the waveform. We're always talking about look at the waveform, check your waveforms. If there aren't like, yeah, there's going to be some little like, you know, some little risers and in, in, uh, drops and effects and things going on in between those acts or maybe like a little extra act like an act 2A or something. But you need to see that delineation and that waveform. And if I don't see that tiny little stinger at the end, then I'll be like, yo, give me a stinger. Yeah, no, definitely. I uh, That's the first thing I scan for also. If I see it, it's it's I call it the, uh, the diamond because it's a cone uh-huh. going up <laughs> and then it's a cone going down afterwards, you know, and it's separated either by a break or maybe it goes right into it, which is really bold also. Yeah. But I call it like the diamond shape because you'll see it in the in the uh, uh, waveform. So, yeah, it's just one of those things where, like, 
you know, and while we're at it, whenever, whenever I'm looking at waveforms and act one and act two waveform look bigger than act three, I already know I'm in for <laughs> like flag. a different kind of ride. Yeah. yeah. Like I know I'm in for a different kind of ride when I like, I see it's like really big and it gets really big. And then the back end is just like, goes <laughs> goes all the way back down. So, um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah, a rule that a can be rule. broken, right? Like we just said, yeah. you have to know the rules before you can break the rules. And sometimes yeah. Maybe you're going to see that where it's like sort of a, I, don't, I can't really think of a reason why, but maybe you will see like a bigger act one and act two and then a smaller act three. Yeah. But unless it's like something custom or specific or like I'm comfortable and familiar with the composer, um, it's immediately going to be a red flag. And I'm going to just be like, hey, you need to address this before I even really get too deep into it because yeah, there's some things that need to be addressed. Yeah, no, I, I can count in my head times where I've I've been told a brief and I'm like, that works in this particular fashion. It shouldn't be a rule that follows for everything because unless the context isn't there or the context is there, it, like it makes sense. Like where you would have like this giant frenetic building act two and then act three is like deconstructed and like almost beautiful in a sense. Right. And there's a campaign for it, but it's definitely something that isn't the general mass point, you know, it's. And the reason for these three acts also is that you want to, you know, you want to expand on the longevity of your tracks yeah. themselves. And that's why having these acts, it gives a good point for the editor. Be like, oh, I can use, maybe I can just use this first act or, oh, maybe I'll just use this third act. And, you know, you're creating these podular moments and stuff for, for editors too, you know, so there, there's these, there's these clear distinctions and stuff. Yeah. You've got like. Podular. <laughs> Modular and pod. Yeah. Podular. So we've been talking about pods a lot. You know, they're like these little like sections that are these little editable yeah. sections, you know. And then yeah. for people who are more into the technical aspects, maybe there's like a coda or codetta or some, you know, some sort of like musical term that I'm not a musician in the sense I didn't go to music school. I went to music business school. So I had to take some of those courses in theory, but it's, yeah. you know, it's not really my background. So whenever I'm talking, I talk more in like terms of pods and drops and stingers and risers than the, uh, yeah, the Latin. It's, I think I was watching an interview with Brian Tyler, film composer, mm -hmm. and he was just talking about some forms of success that he has to doc has to deal with, you know, in terms of what separates him from another composer, another film composer. And the thing about him is that he has talked about it is that not only do I talk music, let's say with my musician friends or, you know, collaborators, but I know how to talk film. I know how to talk in terms of camera movements. I know how to kind of explain that because the person that you're talking to, especially on our side, let's say with editors or anything like that, they're not going to be explaining things in musical terms. They're not going to be like, oh, let's bring this up an octave and let's let's layer in some instrumentation and then let's expand this for like eight measures and then uh, have it ramp, ramp, ramp and then end and have like a two measure break and then go into like a big fanfare code at the end. You know, like they're not going to say that. And essentially they'll explain it to you. They're like, all right, so there's a cast run and then it's going to get bigger and then it would be nice for it to get bigger for like, I don't know, four, four and a half seconds. And then it stops down for a little bit and then it comes back up again and gets really big and then it ends and then there's a main title and then there's a button joke. Yeah. So, and it's separated by pods and I've always <laughs> just deciphered pods that mean act because I never asked that. I was just like, what do pods mean? But like, so 
I guess the, the strongest <laughs> strength that we can all study right now is how editors talk <laughs> because that's going to be, um, and it's, I think it's a good tool also to be able to kind of hear how music can be explained through different mediums and kind of be explained through different industries, you know? Sometimes you're going to get editors who are musicians or classically trained yeah. or something like that. And you're going to get some of that, but 95% of the time it's going to be in these sort of marketing and film terms, right? Like, yeah. Cause you're going to be getting it from the filmmaker, the editor, the producer, and all these people are in a marketing world. So you're going to hear a lot of those kind of like, you know, filmmaking jargon. And so it's yeah. just taking that and adapting it and uh, trying to explain it in, in other ways, which is kind of yeah. like why we're around, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. We're the translator. So it's like, um, even when I'm writing a brief um, for like an album, I would kind of like give descriptors of like, oh, maybe this would be cool. This happens. The camera zooms in, something happens and then it tilts and then it comes back and it cuts to black and then it goes, you know, so Inventing I try to explain a story. things. <laughs> yeah yeah no definitely like you know have the custom because i don't know the story yeah. like i know the title the movie maybe or i might know something i don't know the whole plot or what what the cut looks like so i'm just making it up as i go like i looked at some of my briefs i'm like ooh, like the trail was nothing like this <laughs> <laughs> yeah but you know you, you kind of know like what sort of vibes you're looking for and a way to explain yeah. that in visual terms so that the composer has in mind because yeah there's a lot of times where we're getting customs or briefs that don't even have the name of the project they're like oh we really can't yeah. say right now it's like okay yeah. can you tell me if it's sci-fi can you tell you know it's like yeah we need to know what sort At of instruments to use we need to know what sort yeah. of feel you know no definitely so it's uh yeah it's 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 definitely an interesting thing uh, on our discord i'll drop uh this terminology sheet i've been working on for the last few years it's just like a two-page of all the different ways I've heard uh, sections and moments called by um, by the other side, by producers and music supervisors and editors and stuff. I'll drop it on our Discord today just so that everyone can kind of review it. That, and stuff. Well, we should put that on our Patreon and they can buy it. Oh, <laughs> your dogs agree. <laughs> My dog just went nuts. They're like, yeah, profit. <laughs> <laughs> that scared me. Yeah, I think she I saw was like someone. roaring applause. <laughs> I think we just got a package or something. Yeah, um, but yeah, man, it's uh, yeah. So that's, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, yeah, check check the Discord. <laughs> Brian will put it there for <laughs> for the low low price of joining our Discord. Yeah, see, dude, you know. I try, you know, <laughs> and that's maybe that's a topic for another day. But like I try and we both actively try not to really gatekeep any information. Yeah. It just feels, you know, when I was starting, I felt like it was so hard to pry information from anybody that I am always so thankful for all the friends I've made along the way and everyone that answered all my questions and everything like that. So now being in this sort of spot in my life, I can if I can give it and you know, to be honest, I'm not really knowledgeable in a lot of things like sports and all that. I'm I'm not I'm not your guy, man. That's the other Brian. But like <laughs> no, for, it's really not. <laughs> but for but for this, you know, I, I, I feel like I come at it with, with a different set at least a different mindset of it. So I wanna be able to share that, you know? So Yep, a uh, a rising tide raises all ships or something along those lines. And the the, yeah. the more information we can give y'all the better hopefully the work will be 
it will make us look good, make your other publishers look good, keep those budgets higher. You know, it's like yeah. all the, so that, you know, we, we don't want to be racing to the bottom of like the lowest common denominator and all these, you know, yeah, the music no, we're putting out, like, the fees we're accepting. We, we all want everyone to succeed in the best way possible. Yeah. You know, you could talk to me like a few years ago. I wouldn't want anyone to succeed other than me. But like, you know, I'm at this point right now where I'm just generally happy to see good work out there. You know, um, so yeah, that's that's uh, that's where we're at, man. Well, so just real quick, part part of all these rules we're talking about, okay? I I use this thing I call the eighty twenty rule. Do you have anything similar to that? Where the way that and I learned it somewhere, and I think I adapted it at, over the years. So I always say that like eighty percent of the trailer queue is following the rules and the structure established by the industry and that 20% is you breaking the rules, adding your own special sauce, doing all that stuff so that you're close, very close to, you know, a, I don't want to say generic, but a boilerplate kind of template trailer queue. And then that 20% you go nuts with. And we are, we're always talking about like signature sounds or, you know, doing something weird with time signatures or tempos or stops and starts and, you know, surprising the the listener surprising the music supervisor and the editor yeah because i think at the end of the day they want music they can use but they want to be surprised by what they hear yeah and you know i i would like to think that 80 20 applies with with what i do but i honestly feel like i can't i kind of go overboard sometimes it's like more like 60 40 Uh like i do enough for them to realize I'm following their directions <laughs> and their general tones. But then I want always, I'm always on the side of what separates us from everyone else. What, what do we do? And a lot of the thing, it really stems and I'll be honest, it really stems on what the composer I use can do outside of trailer music. Yeah. Um, I had this one composer, he was like 20 years old at the time and he could tap dance. He can tap dance. He can do all these like really ridiculous Foley things. Um, so when we were working on this trailer, I think it was Operation Fortune, um, Guy Ritchie. And I was, I just, I throw random ideas. It's almost like oblique strategies. I'm like, cool. And then everyone already knows. I'm like, wouldn't it be cool if we did something like this and we did like a whole tap dancing breakdown section. And sure enough, it's the, it's what they used in the trailer too. And it kind of separates your submission from everyone else. Sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't work. Cause I remember one of my dope clients at the time, they were new to us at least. Mm-hmm. Um, we never worked with them and we were working on, I think Angry Birds. <laughs> we were on the Angry Birds trailer and we did a customization of, uh, it was it was a uh, final countdown and then uh i had the crazy idea to do the whole middle breakdown section with uh, kazoos because it sounded like birds i died listening to it and i had the composer do it and it was only the middle it was only like just one pod like, it was like 20 30 seconds of the section you know and the rest of it was just like a pretty straight ahead trailerization and they didn't use any of it they ended up using like a different library version <laughs> of the trailerization maybe because they're like they were probably turned off by the kazoo but <laughs> And you it, never it heard from them again. The yeah, no, it's one of those things that, you know, it might work, it might not work. And like it, whatever adds a level of authenticity to your track and adds this layer of, I don't know, at the end of the day, I, I, I still want to have fun because if I felt like I just stayed by the rules every single time I kind of went at these things, I would just feel super burnt out. I don't know. Like, so 
I always go through like a V1 pass and then any moment I feel like can be interjected with something, whether it's a breakdown, whether it's a, a specific solo moment. I don't know. I just I lean into it. And worst cases, if we lean into it too hard, we can always dial it down with stems or with the V2. So the amount of times I've been told to kind of remove the saxophone solo or the amount of times I've been told, like, yeah, maybe we should like dial down that drum set, like the drum fill so that it's not like four bars long <laughs> you know like the amount of time that has happened or the amount of times they've actually taken uh what we've done and made whole sections out of them you know like i think i remember i was doing like a remix of like crazy train or something for jumanji and there was this one section where i'm like you know what it's the end of the trailer i'm just gonna throw in a stupid fill i'm just gonna throw in like the stupid drum fill and it was like 3 a.m for me when i was working on it at the time my wife was pregnant and i was just up anyways so i'm like i'm gonna throw in this really dumb fill and it's just gonna be the last like three seconds of the trailer and then they ended up looping it mm. for like the last like 30 seconds of the actual trailer because it's just this obnoxious drum fill but like if i stayed to my lane it wouldn't have been used you know so like i don't know i i i you know i i bet the long game i bet the i bet big so all on red i yeah i like i like that you're typically coming from things from the custom perspective and i'm typically coming at things from the album perspective just because i yeah for brash i do it all you know i'm producing the albums and and our yeah. customs and everything where you're just doing the customs mm. but uh, you're doing a lot of customs <laughs> you know um but yeah so i tend to i'm i tend to try to stay more towards the rules for an album because you don't want to spend all that time and effort and money to put out like the most bonkers thing ever where maybe you can get away with some stuff on a custom or they can like at least you're going to hear within an hour of like yeah maybe swap that out lose the kazoo no you're right you're right now you know what you know um that's right and you know what maybe that that that's the great thing about this podcast because there's two uh, linear paths at this, you know, it's simultaneously, you're getting the rules from both of us. Um, and yeah, I, I agree. Then what we do for, at least from what I do from my perspective of customs and stuff like that is, is much different than the approach I, I would say for a catalog, which I wanted to all kind of like cohesively blend together and kind of stay on trend and kind of stay that path for, uh, um, uh, I guess a broader diverse set of usage right. and not scare off the client, you know? So your expertise on that, on at least that section is much more impactful <laughs> than mine. <laughs> and they can always come back and, you know, we've had obviously catalog cues be asked to, to be customized for projects as well. So, I mean, yeah. Yeah. Try to stay a little closer to the rules, knowing that they can be broken when, when needed. No, I agree. I completely agree, man. But yeah, it's nice that there's two of us here. We have different perspectives and different di angles that we look at things from. But yeah. uh, in a lot of ways, we're, we're very similar <laughs> in, in the way we do things. <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah, that that's that's what it means to me, at least. <laughs> cool. Yeah. So that, you know, really basic kind of just getting that info out there. There's hours and hours of talking we could do about this topic on its own but you know we're just kind of trying to lay out some groundwork and establish some things for the newer composers people who are just getting into the game or who aren't familiar with trailers so that when they're working on the first tracks that they're going to be sending to publishers you know you kind of if it's like your first time sending music to a publishers 
maybe stick to the three act structure just so we know that yeah. you understand the rules and then you can break them afterwards. Cause if you send us some crazy, like 14 act thing with like multiple time, time signatures and like tempo ramps and key changes and stuff, like maybe there's a day we'll need that, but it's not the first thing that we want to hear from a new composer that we're auditioning. Yeah. So, you know, take everything we're saying with a grain of salt, but you know, take it. <laughs> yeah. Well, take it with a grain of salt, but, you know, it's there. <laughs> it's there for you to take. All right, Brian, we've got a question. This one is interesting. Um, so we had a composer email us with a bit of a dilemma. I'm not going to say his name. He lives in the Middle East. His monthly salary is around $90. His cost of living is around $85 a month, I'm talking about. So... Right there, eighty-five out of ninety dollars a month is going towards his living expenses, food and everything. Living. Yeah. Yeah. So he has a hard time f- saving money for gear and software. He's got some free VSTs, you know, virtual instruments and um, synths. And he's got, I believe he's got a, like a pirated version of a, a DAW that he's writing in. Um, but he started writing trailer music and he's dying to become a professional trailer composer but he feels like the free versions just don't sound good enough for him to pitch to publishers. So he was kind of asking us for advice. Now, without saying just pirate all this software, because that's never really anything we're going to tell people, um, you know, do we have any advice for him? Yeah. Um, I know that his, uh, his monthly margins and stuff like that are are pretty low, you know. We're we're working with five bucks a month. Yeah, he, you know? he said he saved fifty bucks after a year, and that even on Black Friday isn't gonna, you know, it's not gonna buy you damage. Yeah. Too. yeah. No, definitely. Um, it's it's definitely interesting. I try to think back, and this is just thinking back to when I was uh, starting out with all this stuff. I remember I was uh, working with uh, what the logic free stuff you Garage know like all the, <laughs> oh no definitely like i learned how to use GarageBand and logic in 2015 2016 it wasn't that long ago um before that i primarily just recorded drums did session work just just played drums you know yeah. and then i worked at the mall so like it <laughs> It wasn't like I was making any money doing this stuff. And it was definitely really, 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 really hard. Um, the The thing is, we have to be able to kind of uh, taper expectations and stuff. Doing it professionally, it's great. You have to be, you have to start somewhere, you know, you have to start somewhere to do, be able to do this. And I'm glad that he has the work ethic to even be able to save 50 bucks. You yeah, know, yeah, hey, yeah. Yeah. No if, if you ask anyone out here, <laughs> you know, I'm not saving 50 bucks. <laughs> um it's it's definitely interesting. There's a lot of there's a lot of uh, libraries and stuff like that that have relatively um, lower cost library costs and stuff stuff that might not be built in directly to native instruments or anything like that. But I know that um, I know that Xfer and like what Splice has uh, some great subscription deals yeah. at pretty low cost for Serum, which I think relatively comes up to around either five or ten bucks a month right. for Serum. And um, you can buy some of the starter kits from what I think it was like Keep Force or uh, uh, Audio Period used to sell those like packs and stuff like mm-hmm. that of sound design. 
I remember there was this one hit that I use all the time, which was Jennerdine Fast Hit. And I think I paid like, what, eight or 15 bucks for that whole stack of stuff. And I used all the time um, and something like that. I think uh, already starting to dabble in like sound design would be great yeah. because I feel like the profits on that is pretty uh, it's it, the cost of entry is pretty low. And a lot of it's imagination to get stuff sounding where they need to sound. And you're talking about like taking a microphone, making some noises, processing them, creating a sound yeah. effect and then selling that sound effect or licensing it. Yeah. Which yeah. Like we I, love doing. <laughs> I did a, I did a sound design uh, based off a noise from my voice memo. You know, I just took my phone, uh, you know, took my phone, went on the voice memo, which already has really good compression mm -hmm. and i went around my studio uh, finding the right sound which was like it's supposed to be a click button type sound i did that manipulated it and it was used in the foundation trailer you know as a laser beam nice. you know like uh, it was just something that i just did and it the cost of entry i and for me like i'm looking at my session right now and my my compressor i use is free um, I, I use this one compressor. Let me pull it up. Let me just pull up the name of it. It's called TD, TDR Koltonikov. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll attach a link on, uh, on, uh, on discord. It's a modeling, uh, compressor. And I've recommended this before to so many people. I know that Grant listed it on some of the VSCs he uses. And that was something I recommended to him. It was literally a free compressor and I use it over anything else. Um, and I used the reverb that, uh, came with logic and right. <laughs> um, sometimes, and the EQ, I have the choice of using pro Q, um, but I end up using just the EQ from logic. I just use the stock one. So easy. You just click the EQ button and yeah. it pops up instead of having to go. <laughs> yeah. On the top. Exactly. And then I'm looking at, um, and I'm looking at what was it like amp amps and pedal boards. That's all from logic. And then I'm looking at some of the electronic remixes I do. I actually end up using some of the uh, drum drum machines that's built into logic. And then I just, I just throw a compressor on them and then throw mm -hmm. reverb. And then I throw OTT on there, which I got OTT from the serum, the splice uh, monthly subscription. So I was able to just get that and it sounds really cool and sounds kind of organic and stuff. But one of my friends, his name is uh, Matt Beerwagon. He released a full on, he released a full on disco funk EP on Spotify. And it did really, really well. And he did that entirely, entirely on Logic Stop. Yeah, yeah. That's crazy. You know, and it sounds great. It sounds great. The album's called Midnight Fever. And then, you know, um, he he was building these demos and stuff and they were sounding just they were just they were they were sound banging you know i i almost didn't believe him that he did he just had a good touch for it right now what you can do in your free time is uh really study these tracks that are coming out from people and you know study the mixing because a lot of the times all the mixing tools i'm using they're all coming from the stock they're all coming from stock logic and uh yeah and then from there at least your mix sounds really good you know <laughs> i think a lot of it's creativity you don't even need a MIDI keyboard. Um, I'll be honest with you. When I moved to my second apartment, I told myself that I wasn't going to be writing as much um, because, um, you know, my kid was just being born, yada, yada. But I built this little bench 
and I have pictures of it that I've shared to people. It's literally just a nightstand desk with a monitor and a keyboard and, and my, and my Mac iMac or my MacBook was underneath it connected to HDMI. And then I just use the on-screen typing on my, on my musical typing. I use on musical typing on logic all the time because I just don't want to yeah. plug. I move my laptop around so much. I don't want to plug in. My, yeah. My, and I, I've my MIDI seen controller. so many. I've seen so many impressive composers that just use that and they just adjust, you know, it takes a little bit longer to do everything. Gotta, obviously yeah, you got to like, manually put in the, the CCs yes. and manually input in the, the velocities, velocities sometimes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. To make it sound realistic, but you, you know, once, but all of that stuff is going to be fundamental anyways, for you to be able to develop an ear for that stuff. So that whenever you start generating a bigger income and stuff, all that stuff is going to be relative to you built, being able to build a realistic sound because honestly, uh, uh, a composer that's well seasoned in this field could make, I think a better sounding track with all the stock instruments here than someone that's just rushing into it, buying all the expensive libraries and trying to build something. You know, and I say that from experience also, because all of the libraries I have now, I, I maxed out two credit cards back in like 2016 after I got a really brutal note from a, another composer telling me that I won't succeed in this unless I upgrade. So I maxed out two credit cards and bought every library that I could. And I haven't, I haven't bought a single library since. <laughs> I've been using the same libraries since 2016. I've never bought a single thing after that. Um, and like some of my favorite libraries were like $15, like Ember Tones, a saxophone. Like that thing, it sounds so good. And it was $15. I just did a custom where I, I bought a $5 um, Asian instrument on like a virtual instrument and stuff like that. And literally it was $5, yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, and it was something I used. I'm like, wow, this would sound really good as a synth layer. You know, this would sound really good as a short string layer, probably. And everyone's talking about Omnisphere and all these things. The, the main the main synth I used was Serum. That was a $5 monthly subscription for like two years, you know. Mm -hmm. And as soon as I paid it off, boom, that's mine. And Serum is something I use in everything, whether it's a brass layer, short string layer, anything serum is on there and that's the only synth i use you know so it's i did like, the same thing with pigments on splice same thing paid five bucks a month for it for a couple of years yeah i think we should do a section on our discord where we can get people to list their favorite free and cheap instruments yeah. uh, for people to, to use as a resource now i've yeah you know i typed the question up on our uh on our outline. So I've had a little bit more time to think about it than just putting you on the spot yeah. <laughs> with the question. Yeah. So I had a couple ideas as well. It sounds like he might have a pretty good grasp of like writing trailer music. One of the mm -hmm. things I didn't mention is that he's shared his music with some other composers who said that they thought it was good, but the quality maybe isn't there for pitching to publishers. So if you know what you're doing with making music, find a collaborator Someone yeah, that has MIDI. all that stuff, export the MIDI, have them throw on the expensive instruments and, you know, adapt and do their share of the writing as well. But right there, you know, do an awesome collaboration and make 50 grand and then <laughs> buy all that stuff yourself. 
Yeah, no, that that's that's actually a really, really, really great idea. I didn't I had I didn't have those contexts. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, we did something very similar. I think it was like an Andor Star Wars spot or something like that. The composer was just supposed to do like a piano mock up of something, but his piano sounds didn't really sound that great. But his the 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 programming of it was good. Yeah. Like the the actual notes were good. So I just told him to send me the MIDI, and then I put it on uh, my favorite piano. Um, oh. Here you go. I put it on my favorite piano VST, which was free. Spitfire Labs. It was a free. It's called Soft Soft Piano, and I use it on everything. And it beat out like a native instrument, like you know, probably a really expensive piano. I just didn't like the sound of it. I just wanted something that that felt a little softer. And I put it on a free Soft Piano library. I think. What you're supposed to do is like donate like five bucks or something like that to Spitfire Labs and they give you they give you that instrument. Yeah, you know? there's some cool stuff on Spitfire Labs. Yeah. And I know that um, if you go to like VST Buzz or something like that, there's always like these like free instruments and stuff like that. I got, I, I got like a bamboo flute that I was able to use that was free, you know, like you, you just got to be a little creative, you know, at, at that range, you know, but like uh, also look at like sound spot stuff. I know their reverbs are not as expensive as like, let's say Valhalla or something you know, or like black, black hole or something. Mm-hmm. So like all that stuff is just, you just got to do a little research on it. But yeah, you know, yeah, we'll set up a, uh, a discord that's cost effective uh, VSCs and stuff like that. We do not advocate. We are not advocates of piracy. Please don't do it. Support your, uh, support your, um, virtual instrument programmers and everyone like that. I have so many friends in that space and just don't do it. Yeah. And there, <laughs> you know, a lot of them have really great free versions of things, especially like keep forest. You can get free versions of things, make some money with it, then buy the full version. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, don't do anything shady, just make money, make money, learn. And I think that, it's always a nice thing to say that you want to be able to do these things professionally, just build up the fundamentals like any other job, you know, it's like if I try to relate it to it right now, if I wanted to start graphic design, if I really wanted to get into like logo and graphic design, what would I do? And I, and because it's a hobby, I don't want to spend as much as let's say music because that's my main gig. What would I want to do? I would try to find procreate that's 15 bucks i would try to find the, the cheapest and uh safest ways there's youtube for tutorials and i have spent my entire overhead of my graphic design journey with 15 bucks yeah absolutely i mean youtube is a great resource for just learning trailer structure there's <laughs> we'll probably post some some links to some really good um trailer structure videos yeah yeah, and then there's great there's great uh, resources for like brass layering, string layering, percussion. There, yeah, he, creating your own sound design. Yeah, yeah. Like a shout out to one of my friends. He is just blowing up on YouTube right now, doing just his thing. Mr. Beast, it's Alex. Mu- <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. My friend, Mr. Beast. Uh, no, it's uh, his name is Alex Mukala. He, I've known him now for years, oh, he's and he's just been he's been just blowing up, but. Actually, I don't think he knows this, but I literally, when I started at Ghostwriter, I wasn't like a well-seasoned writer or anything like that. I was following his uh, brass writing tutorial on YouTube, and I literally still use that to this day, you know? So it's just like, you never know where you're going to find resources. Also, another great resource for uh, anyone that's really into like remixes and that just 
weird cut-ups of tracks and stuff like that. Um, there's this uh, creator, his name is Andrew Huang. He does these things called four producers, you know, like four producers, and they all like work off of like one sample. And you see four different interpretations of the same sample, but there's a breakdown of every single one of them. So it's always interesting to see also how people work with tracks. So that's always something interesting for anyone that wants to get more into like the remix realm too. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, you know, best of luck to this guy. Uh, hopefully he can take some of these tidbits and apply them to his work yeah. and, you know yeah i, I want to i want to stray away from like well let's just try to make more money now because at where i was in that predicament like in 2015 or something like that i was working i was i was slaving away at three different retail jobs you know i was working at hollister into radio shack into gamestop in the same day just to try to make enough money to be able to kind of fund this I think that that's something fundamental is that like you really have to be able to kind of grind it out. But I don't want to like state that because I don't know what the the work life situation is for them. And that might be the ceiling that they can do. But with the allotment that they have, they can definitely do a slow burn startup. They can slow burn kind of fund their way through it, you know. Uh -huh. But yeah, but that's that, that's it. I think that's uh, that's a great question. I think that it's good to kind of implement it. But yeah, uh, I think that's it. Yeah. I mean, we all come from different areas different backgrounds you know we all have our own little dilemmas but hopefully we can help each other out and find find our version of success that way but brian i think that's about it for this episode we i didn't think we were going to go as long as we did i hopefully we we put some good information out there with all the talking we've been doing <laughs> you know it's 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 funny because we cut out uh the section with all the trailers that came out this week and it still came up to the same around the same, same amount of time i think we just realized all right we've talked a lot and it's time to move on so until next time yeah. follow us on the social media join the discord obviously we're talking about discord we're going to be putting a lot of new information up there it's a great resource there's uh, a great group of people there now chatting away sharing some memes sharing some tips collaborating doing all that stuff so links in the uh, show notes and as always you haven't done it yet i know who i'm talking to leave a five-star review on apple podcasts oh yeah that person yeah they they just keep forgetting yeah we know we know who you are pull over right now <laughs> and <laughs> click that fifth star yeah but until next time Play that outro music.